Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 261 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's the first episode of the year, and it's the first episode, proper episode, for over two months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been... The end of last year was quite crazy. Yeah. And uh, recording a podcast just was not something that we really considered. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was intense. It was just like everything, everything sort of amalgamating into one thing. I was so burnt out from uh, the job that I was doing, but um, now I'm done. I finished at the end of November. Uh, so I basically had December, half of December to sort of do other things, get myself back to normal standards. And then we've not really gone back to work until this past week. Yeah. I mean, like, kids. <laughs> since the last, uh, I know I did an episode, uh, just kind of an interim one. Um, mm. But since the last one, and the, I think it was this, like the start of November, we obviously launched the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, you were still working your job, Lauren. Mm. Um, everything just went absolutely crazy in terms of like what we were what we were doing mm. and we just yeah everything just it got too much and so we i mean we recorded i think two podcasts i think no the first time we just completely forgot about it yeah and it got to like thursday and we were just like should we not have really we should have released the podcast <laughs> And then so we tried to do like a make good podcast, which we recorded, and then I forgot to edit. Mm -hmm. And then um, so in the end, I just kind of bashed one out super quick, recorded it, edited it, and just put it out so that I, there was no way I could possibly forget <laughs> to do anything. Um, but yeah, it just means we haven't done one for, for a long time. And yeah. there's been so much stuff that's happened over the past two months with the franchise. And we're not really going to talk about any of that today <laughs> because there's so much that could happen in the coming year which is where we're going to focus today mm. because yeah like 2022 could end up being a, an absolutely huge year for the franchise but also yeah. like square Enix japan in general they've got games from pretty much every single major japanese franchise that they own coming out this year and it's like it's just like a really crazy time uh, mm. I can't ever think of a year where everything is that so much has been happening, mm. and I do wonder if it, it is in part because of the because of the pandemic. Um, yeah, like everything's it's ended kind up of like getting a hose. yeah, everything's ended up getting like really delayed. So they've had to like probably not necessarily like, move releases up, but like the whereas they couldn't really release any games last year, they've had to now like shovel those games into the like the cracks that they had in this year yeah so it's it's massively like bolstered up the lineup but before yeah, we get on to how crazy everything's going to be we are going to do some patreon shout outs first and we're going to kick things off with lewis james rachel casterton barry norton zelda clone darren matthews miles ribbons billy jackson ryzen theron bullen sam ennis chris willis fayez Bilal, jared braylon gregory and Marco Lilu. Thank you all so much, Thank everyone. You. We really appreciate it. Y'all have been hanging in with us, a lot of you, for a very long time. Yeah. Thank you all so much for being so supportive. So, this year, there are a ridiculous amount of things happening with the franchise. We have, well, at the end of the last year, 
Yoshida did uh he ended up having to do two uh like quite emotional things i'm sure mm. well the second one was was not really it was just a statement published on twitter but i'm sure it was still a hard decision to take but mm. he ended up having to delay endwalker which he cried over yeah bless and him. then he ended up having to issue a statement around final fantasy 16 because they broke the promise of revealing more information about the game last year which is something they had said they were going to do at the end of 2020 mm. and so yeah i mean it, it's I think it's hard because, but but also it shows that the approach that he takes works, if that makes sense. Like, mm. I actually saw um, an article I was reading about how refreshing Yoshida is because, no, I'm, and actually, I don't know if anyone's ever noticed this. I don't know if you noticed this, Lauren, but generally when a Japanese publisher delays a game, they always say it's because they want to. Um, they, they never give a reason mm-hmm. other than it's to make sure that the game releases at the at the best quality. Yeah. Or, you know, like the Pixel remaster, Final Fantasy VI, for example, clearly got delayed. And their reason was they want to make sure it's the best experience when it launches. And that's all they will ever say. There's never any uh, kind of actual reason as to why the delay has happened. Yeah. Whereas when Yoshida did the 16 statement, he was very transparent around why this delay has happened. The pandemic caused a, a significant problem with our communication. We c- weren't able to effectively coordinate with our outsourcing partners. A lot of our assets had to didn't, didn't come through the way we wanted. They've had to have things cancelled. And then he did, uh, did like a mini roadmap of like what they're actually going to be doing in the next 12 months mm. on the game. And I don't know, it's, it, it was, it's just a refreshing... And obviously, like, the 14 community used to it as well. Like, when things go wrong, he is always, like, upfront. here's what's happened. I'm not even going to try and, like, gloss over it. Like, let's just, let's just have an open dialogue about it. Yeah. And it's just so weird in comparison to all of the other things that happen. Like, mm. yeah, Pixel Remaster got delayed. No real justification given for why and, like... A lot of the other games that have been delayed over the years from Square Enix is always the same kind of story that, oh, yeah, we need to do a bit more polish or mm-hmm. like it's, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you feel as though it's, it's, it's the right thing for them to do or. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's right. I mean, I think it, the response has been like, I've seen a lot of people who've been very supportive of it. Um, we tried when we did our post, we, we, we took it from the angle of just being very supportive because like at the end of the day it is really hard to um it's really hard to develop games in these conditions it's so unpredictable what could happen like you know one week you could be absolutely fine you happen to just go out to the coffee shop one day and get covid and then all of a sudden you're out of commission for two weeks it's just it's really hard maybe even more if you get it really bad so, you know, for those of you who have equally been like sort of thinking, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think that that's really beneficial. And I, I yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction, of course, because I think in Japan, especially, they don't like to com- they don't like to admit defeat very they don't admit defeat very well. They don't admit admit failure or admit like um it's not even like that 
that much of a failure. It's just like a hiccup. They don't they don't like to talk about weaknesses. They don't yeah. like to talk about and like when I was doing the the recent video, well, I say recent, but it was a little while ago now about the seven remake. It was it was really clear that that message was was coming across because um, I think a journalist had asked uh, Kataze about whether or not the seven remake would be affected by by the pandemic, mm-hmm. and Kataze said no, not mm-hmm. at all. Like yeah. it's not going to affect our timelines whatsoever. Yeah. And then like four months later, Matsuda, who's obviously the CEO of the company said yeah no this the pandemic's like massively screwed us over yeah like all our games have been delayed by at least like six to 12 months yeah so it's just like you know what what benefit does kataze what what is the benefit to basically just lying Mm -hmm. and saying that yeah no nothing's nothing's happened nothing like yeah there's been little things here but it's not going to change our timelines whatsoever we're planning to release the game in like five years time that's our that's our objective well that's the thing they're just so scared to be vulnerable they're so scared to be to be that way whereas like yeah yoshi p and his team don't don't seem to to be that way they're quite transparent in the things that they're dealing with i mean as said by the fact that like Sokin revealed at the uh, fan fest that he had he had been dealing with cancer like I mean yeah you could say like oh well he didn't admit it at the time but it's like but then he's he's just him admitting it at all is like quite difficult and quite like extreme in comparison to what other people um, other sort of Japanese people do like they just it just doesn't seem like they are a very vulnerable thing because vulnerability is a sign of weakness. Especially not anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I think when um, I know Sakaguchi was obviously famous for manipulating his answers to the press. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he would always eventually come out with the truth. Yeah. Around what actually happened, you know, how much of it. I mean, like, we know some of the stuff that happened around the the SNES era about how like horror development was for them. They had so many issues with games, uh, like just the things completely out mm. of their control. I mean, like, yeah, the, pand- the pandemic has been, been bad for them. But I mean, like, if you think about what happened during the development of Chrono Trigger, where, you know, they were developing a game and then Nintendo were like, actually, no, we're not going to support that anymore. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, oh, this this uh, this hardware we're developing the game for isn't going to exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we've now got to completely redo the game. Like, but we've still got to release it at the same time. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I just think it's it. It must just be so hard for um for developers or um for people who are trying to um like market games in Japan to a Western audience, like trying to create that sort of um because I think. Yeah, like things have moved on so much in the sense that like now it's more about um, it's getting to be more about families that make games like it's a it's a development family yeah, that's making that, a game, creating that dialogue, creating that humanity. And that is like, I feel I, I can't speak for all of Japan, but it feels like something that's not quite there in Japan yet, like in terms of how they outwardly well, I, how I think they it's... outwardly do say things to westerners i think it's their they might be different they might be different to actual like other japanese people but to us it feels like the message that we're getting from official sources is not it it, i don't think it's it's that 
common for them to show yeah. vulnerability. Because I mean, in like you know, like Kojima, sense. Kojima kind of understood it. Like there's certain developers that, like Yokotaro and Yoshiko Saito, they mm. do a great job of like making their yeah. stuff kind of feel inclusive to everyone. But and- they're like the exceptions and yeah. not the rule. And uh, but that's the thing. That's where it's like it's really nice that they're changing. That Yokotaro is is happy to be himself in front of like people, even though he's dressed up as a meal. He's happy to be himself um, for the public and Yoshi P is happy to be himself for the public. Tabata was kind of like, um, he he was also one of the ones who is very vulnerable, which was very unlike, unlike it. I mean, would you ever see like Nomura cry or admit any kind of like weakness to his character on screen? I mean, yeah, like, he's, he's used this pandemic as an opportunity to basically just disappear into the shadows. Yeah. And like, that's not to say that he has to, he has to be that way. I know it's very uncomfortable to be that way, but that's just an example of like, this is the differences between these types of characters in comparison. I mean, granted, Yoko Taro has found a really nice happy medium, hasn't he? Because he hasn't had to care, give a crap about how he looks because he just has a mask on his head and he can hide himself still while being himself like it's great um but but yeah i guess it yeah uh, ultimately i'm i'm really happy with that the only thing that i wish for 2022 is that we do hear from more of the women behind the games and i know that that is very much like a sort of personal thing but obviously, like, we have really great writers for Final Fantasy fourteen who are women. And it'd be great to have more more forward-facing content featuring them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, like, I mean, if you think about some remake, there's, there's no senior female creators working on that game mm. at all, are there? Mm. I don't know. I can't think of any. If they do, then they really should bring them forward. That's it. Uh, Nat- Natsuko Ishikawa. Um, the writer yeah like you know i just i want to see i want to see more of these people because we do seem to see more of the same and that's why like even with final fantasy 14 or sorry final fantasy 16 most people are still like yoshi p yoshi p yoshi p when it's just like it's it's actually a different director who's actually directing it like yeah and i'm sure when when it all happens next year um Yoshi P will will still be there, but he'll take more of a back seat because I think, mm. unfortunately, what's happened so far and and it's and it's played into an incorrect narrative. Really, is that most of the time when he's to, he's spoken about sixteen, it's not actually been about sixteen; it's mm. been about fourteen, mm. and it, they've just happened to ask him about <laughs> that at the time. Yeah, and so the director of the game and and the other figures that are working on it, who we don't actually know. Mm have not really had an opportunity to to do anything because they've not been they've not been in a position where they're they're allowed to speak because yeah. that's the game they're working on. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of weird, but I mean like I'm I don't know when the reveal is going to be outside of they've said spring spring goes from March to June. Mm. Technically E3 is encompassed within that time period. Part of me thinks that though that they may take a similar approach to what they did with the 7 remake. So around sort of May time, they'll do a big thing in state of play, mm-hmm. and then they'll they'll do like a massive um, kind of reveal at E3. But I think it's going to be more difficult, obviously, this time because E3 is going to be virtual, and Seven Remake really benefited from the fact that they had that press conference. Um, they had Kataze and I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, one of the guys from um, uh, the North American division uh, on the stage 
talking through all the different elements of the battle system. They had the demo there for people to be able to play on the show floor. And it just left a really big uh, positive impression about the experience mm-hmm. because they had this huge thing. And then from there on, it was just kind of like game on Gamescom. They had stuff. Tokyo Game Show, they had stuff. There was all there was new stuff coming about the seven remake all the time. Mm-hmm. And obviously they were planning to release it in in March, which was nine months later. If they followed a similar roadmap for 16, it would not surprise me because it worked. But I guess then you could also ask, did it work well enough? Mm-hmm. Because we still don't really have too much confidence in how much the 7 Remake sold. It, yeah. It, you know, it, it sold well as a PlayStation 4 exclusive, but not in comparison to other PlayStation 4 exclusives long term, as far as we know. <laughs> um, And like, I, I am... I don't know if we're going to hear about the 7 Remake this year. If we don't, I think that's going to be just such a bad position for them to be in. Yeah. Because it's been so long. Like, it's been almost two years since the 7 Remake came out. If the, if the game doesn't release next year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be four years between releases. That's a long time. Yeah. A really long time. Especially if 16 is going to be coming out at the end of this year or the start of next year. I. Yeah. Like, how is this going to work? The fact that we've heard nothing about Part 2 is thing. I mean, like, they did obviously did the small things with Integrate and they mm. obviously hoped that that would tide people over. But there's been nothing. I wonder how much how much sales they did have over the PC version. We don't know. I think, yeah. uh, you know, that's one of the interesting things about it. The fact that. They chose to go with the Epic Game Store, mm. probably because they were paid quite handsomely oh, for yeah. the exclusive deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that makes me think that they they needed that money. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't think you can really estimate sales on yeah. the Epic Game Store, whereas you can estimate sales on Steam. So that's like, I don't, I don't want to get all like conspiracy theorist, but mm-hmm. like it's it is still really weird that they have not announced any sales figures for the Seven Remake. Once it hit five million, mm. we've had nothing. And considering Square like to spout out sales figures every five seconds about all their other games, at the moment I'm sure it's not the case. Mm-hmm. But it means that Seven Remake sold less officially than Neo Automata. It sold less officially than Dragon Quest Eleven, and like that—that's not really a good position for the game to be in yeah but anyway i i I hope that we hear something this year i think if we don't it's going to be odd yeah and it's going to make people again start to really question what's actually going on with it and we're going to end up basically just it's groundhog day all over again (laughs) yeah it was with the with the last part you know revealed in 2015 we didn't hear anything about it until 2019 it was four years Mm. until we heard anything concrete about the game and it just gives people so long I think one of the main issues they're going to have now is that they did that crazy ending and it's given people so much time to speculate about what is what is going to happen. Mm. And and like we have with the 7 remake, that's that speculation can turn into toxicity. Yeah. In terms of what people they because they they are allowed so much time with their thoughts and what they think is going to happen it starts to really get ingrained with them and then when those things don't turn out the way they want how how can you be like they just become so attached to those ideas yeah 
like there were so many theories around 15 and that had the same effects like yeah. when those theories didn't turn out to be true it, it kind of ruined the experience for people mm. and like with the seven remake when the gameplay was all shown and everything there were people that were very happy there were people that were very angry and that's why like daryl and i purposely like kind of try to shy away from like doing too many theory things like we think of things every now and then but like that's one of the reasons why because it's like it's always going to be it's always going to be disappointing you know it's always going to you you might have like a sliver of satisfaction by being right about something but ultimately you have no clue what's going to happen but yeah the more time they let it fester and don't actually tell us like what's going on with it but then even if they do tell us what's going on with it and then we don't like it it's going to be even worse it's hard they're in a hard really they, difficult that's, situation that's why they needed to release this next part just as quickly as possible yeah because like the longer it goes the more the more theories and rumors are going to keep coming out of the woodwork you know, there's still people talking all the time about new new interpretations of the story, new theories. They're getting more and more detailed and, and intricate. And like, you know, if it's not going to be another two years until like there's going to be stuff happening between now and then with First Soldier, with, with Ever Crisis that are going to like add more fuel to, to what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be small comments made by developers here and there that's going to get people... Yeah, speculating about different things. I guess that's the thing. It gives us more. It gives us more time for outsiders to write the narrative that they are not giving us. Yeah, and I think the problem is is that, um, and we had it right afterwards, and they and I think what what happened there was it was a good example, right? So there were all the theories about the the whispers and whether or not they were Cloud, um, Tifa, and Barrett from the from the alternate timeline, or whether they were um the um the remnants of sephiroth and then they kind of accidentally addressed that like almost immediately yeah and then it was like okay we have an answer done (laughs) over it's that you know there's no there's no speculation about it you can't argue anymore that this is what it is yeah and like i think like if you can provide people with the answers they need like sooner then that's that's better like Yeah. yeah healthy speculation fine but Generally, when when um, those speculations and theories happen, it's because there is nothing there is nothing coming. Yeah, like you think about like all the Chris Nolan films, like he generally left an, an ambiguous ending, so that people could speculate and talk about it and keep and keep the film alive. Yeah, while they but were, there away. was never any promise of there actually being a continuation. Yeah, that was just fans being fans. Mm-hmm. But like when there is the promise of a continuation, it's if you've left something on a massive cliffhanger. Yeah, you can't wait too long to give people yeah. an answer to that cliffhanger, <laughs> which is why it's almost like it it begs the question as well. Like you know, if you like, it's a shame that they didn't have the foresight. It's a shame that they don't have the foresight in order to see that like that happening. Yeah, like, and like the the easiest solution would have been to make sure that before part one released, that part two was like pretty far along, mm. so they've got contingency in there. But they hadn't really started part two until part one was done. But I was also going to say, like, it's kind of the risk. It's the risk that they've taken with the narrative that they've taken with Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake. Like, if they had just made a solid remake of Final Fantasy VII and just kept the narrative the same, just, like, adapted things to make it better, like, uh, to make it, like, fit in with the graphic style, like, there wouldn't really be the unhealthy the unhealthy 
speculations going around. It would be like primarily just like, oh, where do you think the next yeah. part I, is going to end? I wonder how they're going to deal with this. But and... now it's like, well, wait, like what actually is going to happen? And yeah, I don't it's... know if I'm comfortable with it's, instead this of, happening. Instead of I wonder how they're going to do this, it's I wonder how they're going to do this because of that. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. They just, they, it's, it's a classic, not forward thinking tactic of, of Square. Like, it's just what we've come to. Also, I mean, I, realize. I know this is kind of a bit doom and gloom about their party, but like, I'm also very curious about the vision because mm. I don't know if there is necessarily a vision anymore. Cause yeah. like, I don't know whose vision it was originally because mm-hmm. it wasn't Nomura's vision because he was asked to take it on. Yeah. And now he's stepped back. <laughs> yeah. So, and Hamaguchi wasn't involved with the game from the start, but he's now the director. I get. Is it Katarze's vision? Yeah. That, you know? I, I, know, I know. I know. It's so, yeah. They've just, they've just really sewed themselves. They are they are in a position where they they uncomfortable yeah but but they are able to prove us wrong hopefully I hope so too I think it I think it will all be fine in the end it's I think, just I think that's how I'm feeling about a lot of the non Yoshida projects at the moment like yeah. I, fourteen it's like you know Endwalker has been another resounding success like the game ended up being or the expansion was like PlayStation Game of the Year highest yeah. rated game on released on PlayStation devices like all PlayStation devices and. Um, you know, sixteen. I'm I'm apprehensive about just because of that first showing, but but I'm confident that even though I feel feel as though the game is going to be very different from what I'm expecting, mm-hmm. that it's going to be a fun and enjoyable game to play. Yeah. But all the other projects, I'm just like, I don't really know what what I'm like. Seven remake mm. part two. I don't know where they're going to go. I am worried about yeah. it. Stranger of Paradise, I again, I, they they have tried to model it on Neo. Mm. I don't think it's going to sell as well as Neo. I don't think it's going to be as good as Neo. I don't know. I, it's the thing, I I don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah. When that game yeah. comes out in March, I don't know what it's going to be. And I if, don't know if the gameplay is going to be good. I don't know if the it's going to have good longevity. I don't know if the story is going to be a train wreck. It's exactly what I said what I said to you the other day when we watch like E3 and stuff or you watch like the PlayStation um the the PlayStation like events and that type of thing where they announce new games you see something like Naughty Dog's logo come out you're just like ooh what's this you see from software's logo come up ooh what's this you see Hideo you see Kojima K- Productions oh my god like what what's what's going on what's happening Square Enix, I don't feel that anymore. I don't. It's, yeah, you're like. I don't oh, feel that. Is this going to be something? Yeah. Oh, what's this? <laughs> Maybe if, like, for whatever reason, they start playing like Kingdom Hearts music, people start getting like their hearts pumping, or like just sort of traditional Final Fantasy. But now like, it's if you see the creative business like, Vision three logo, oh, you're like, huh, huh, huh. Uh, it's just kind of like, oh no. Like I, I don't, I don't get the same sense, and I'm sorry if this is like really. Just like, yeah, I I just don't I don't get the same sense of like I'm gonna get a good game out of out of this. I'm gonna get a game that's interesting to me out of this. That being said, though, the um the like sort of uh, reception from um 
Guardians of the Galaxy has been really positive. And it's, so I'm it's been inclined, positive, but, un, but I, I think it's like I'm inclined to play that one. I've I've still like it's I think Guardians of the Galaxy was better than the Avengers. Mm. That was the benchmark. Mm. And obviously it got a lot of praise for the story, but it's not like unanimous praise across the board for that game. Mm. It's just it's it's good. Yeah. But it's not Square Enix Japan. Yeah. And like getting back to Stranger Paradise, I think it's kind of symptomatic of where they're at at the moment. Like I think like as a fan, I think it's a game that I am not desperate to play. Even though I like that genre of games, I've played yeah. like a lot of the the Souls games. I've played Neo. Um, it's a game that I I would. The only reason I would buy it is because I am a fan of. Like I've got loyalty to the brand, mm. but that like there's been so many things that they've shown about the game where I'm just kind of like Ugh. I know. This is making me feel as though this isn't going to be great. Like, I don't know. Based on everything I've seen so far in the demos I've played, it's looking like an average game. Mm-hmm. And like, based on like you know where where they where they work, like they should not be getting excited about an average game. Yeah, yeah. And like, they, I guess that's the thing. Like, it, it they've they've got the reputation of just being an average, yeah, average uh, developer. Chocobo GP looks like it's going to be an average kart racing game mm-hmm. like the gameplay again they've shown off is looking up it's looked a bit ropey mm-hmm. it, it has not looked like sonic and sega all-stars racing was was an amazing kart racing game a re- like a real challenger to mario kart yeah this does not look like it's going to be challenging anything yeah unfortunately and then maybe the maybe the game will be better when it comes out but like again what they've shown so far like the gate like it, it's really slow not smooth, not fluid. It has not made me think, oh, I really want to get this game. Mm-hmm. No. Well, this is positive. I know. <laughs> We're such positive people. Such positive people. But no, I, I think like I'm I'm kind of putting my putting my hedging my bets on sixteen. I think mm-hmm. sixteen for me is is kind of where attention needs to lie. Mm-hmm. I'm really hopeful that the the re reveal showcases the game in a much better light than that initial reveal yeah and i've got a lot of confidence that it will in terms of like there will be significant graphical improvements they're obviously going to reveal a lot more about the story the setting the gameplay um and you know because ultimately this re-reveal is gearing up for launch yeah uh, which is what yoshida has said himself it's it's the you see this you want to buy the game yeah and if it doesn't do that then they failed yeah but i don't expect them to fail <laughs> high expectations yes with great power comes great responsibility and that's the position that Yoshida has put himself in mm-hmm. are you excited I mean like this is going to sound really weird but like I feel as though Forspoken is another game that's in a similar situation as mm-hmm. like Stranger of Paradise and all that they've shown very little mm-hmm. what they have shown has been very stylized and when they showed off the longer gameplay trailer or demo or whatever it got taken down by IGN because it it didn't look that great mm. there was a lot of negativity around it the frame rates were bad um a lot of the focus had been around showing gameplay in very short, like two to three second bursts of high yeah. action and impact. But when the game actually was played, it was very slow. 
very yeah. slow paced. The traversal was really quick, but the actual combat was very, very slow. Yeah. And I wonder what they're going to do about that in four months. I have no clue. My biggest issue with it is just the writing just seems really, really, really Yeah, bad. I mean, that was the thing, right? That was one of the... the um, I know there's not been too much stuff around it, but that's one of the things you pulled out like a long time ago. But when they showed off that gameplay trailer, um, one of the things was that it just seemed so uncommon for her or un- out of place for her to basically just be like to these enemies, I'm going to F you up. Yeah. Like, or like, like why? It's like this really uncomfortable, uncomfortable culture that we've gotten in where like nerds need to swear essentially. Like geek culture is all about like swearing all the time. They don't. They don't need to swear all the time. And I'm really getting... Could you imagine the Lord of the Rings if oh my like God. all the characters were going like, around dropping F-bombs? Like... I love a good F word. I I love I love swearing. Like don't get me wrong. Like I do swear occasionally. But like one, you're completely negating a class of people who could watch the game. Like one of the things that is great about Final Fantasy, the old Final Fantasies, is that you could have your little nephew, you could have your little sister, you a lot of people have kids and like they could sit with their kid and play this game comfortably you can't play a game like for spoken comfortably like i can't play that around my daughter it's seven remake like i can't play that around her because of that and i know that it's not necessarily made for children but these are experiences that are really important and really help to bond a parent with their child and like it's weird i know it's it's a bit different to think of it that way, but like that when you think about your first exposure to games, you typically for our age group were sitting with somebody who was older than you who was showing you how to play the game or you were just experiencing the game vicariously through that person. By starting this up with like just swearing just for the sake of swearing and that type of thing, it completely rips that experience away from a future generation of gamers to be able to experience a good gameplay experience th- through like their older kid and story. There are too many games nowadays, and I sound like a really crotchety old lady, but there's too many games nowadays that rely on swearing to to make the script sound more edgy or whatever. Like, just cut it out. Just get it out. Like, it doesn't need to be there. You normal people don't always speak that way. Like, I can quite comfortably get my point across without swearing all the time, and unless I'm really, really angry. I mean, in a, in a weird example, I mean, I can't... I, there have been so many times where uh, people are surprised we don't swear on this show. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't swear on our Twitch streams. Yeah. I just... It's time for for me. It's it's time to freshen up. If we really want to be taken seriously, and we really want other industries to look at us as a beacon, then we gotta polish ourselves up because it's really just unnecessary. It's really unnecessary, and if anything, it's creating a really bad situation in schools where kids are going in, they're swearing, and um. You know, these are like 10-year-olds and you can say, oh, well, you're, the parents should step in. No, 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 sweetie. The parents can't always be at school defending their child from 
everything that they're going to see. They're going to be exposed to things regardless if you are the best parent in the entire world or not. Like, you know, it's 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 just inevitable. But what developers and writers can do is to not like just keep overdoing it. Like it's just I don't know. It's just really disappoints me. It I can tell. Yeah. It just really is it is. It's just really disappointing. I just See, I mean like a Forspoken was a game that I I I mean, both of us, we were we were really looking forward to whatever it was that Luminous Productions were making. Yeah. And the more that Forspoken has been shown, the less interested I have become in it. Just because it just doesn't I mean like I I feel as though the narrative is going to be strong mm-hmm. just because of the writers they have working on it. Yeah. It's not going to be the typical style of narrative we're used to from a Square Enix Japan game at all. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know, because they've shown so little about it and what they have shown has not really been that great. Like they've they've had to defend themselves against things. Like the why put out a gameplay re- trailer or a gameplay showcase to the on IGN? <laughs> If it's not optimized, yeah, and take it down, then they've had to issue statements saying no, the final product will have proper frame rates and stuff. And it's like, well, like, why would people believe you now? Yeah, like I just don't know what who's who's sort of, I guess, like who's 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 reviewing this, who is like checking, <laughs> who's checking these things when I think it's before the, they I come think it's out. The problem when you have uh, the, the position that Square Enix are in, they have mm. shareholders they have to please, they've got deadlines they have to meet, and yeah. like, you know, it was probably like a marketing tick, spot, tick box they had to put out, like, oh, we've got a per trailer out on IGN. Yeah. They had previews where people were, that was the other thing, right? They did previews in December, but it was all hands-off previews. They all just mm. had to watch a video and write their preview based on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's... The game is out in May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's I think it's a thing. I think Square Enix just doesn't give, is not giving themselves the time to properly sit down and reevaluate how they can bring their quality back up again. They are just producing all the time. It's almost like Square Enix is in the, in, is in the depths of burnout and they don't know how to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I'm just going to kind of rattle off the stuff that they're working on this year, just from just from the Japanese side. And there's probably more as well. So there's mm. currently you've got you've got 16. Uh, there's 14 stuff still happening. They've got all the patches and they've probably started work provisionally on the next expansion as well, which will come out probably in 2023 now. Mm-hmm. Um, Stranger Paradise is coming out in March. Chocobo GP is coming out in March. The Pixel Remasters in February, there's all the mobile games. You've got Brave Exodus, War of the Visions, Record Keeper, Opera Omnia, The First Soldier. They're all still plugging away. Mm-hmm. They're working on Ever Crisis behind the scenes. Final Fantasy Eleven is still going on. Um, you've got Forspoken, Babylon's Falls coming out in, in March as well. You've mm-hmm. got Triangle Strategy coming out in March as well. Uh, there's a Bravely Default mobile game coming out probably next month in Japan. Um, there's three Saga games being worked on at the moment. There's three uh, Mana, well, two Mana games and, a, and an anime being worked on at the moment. There's a Final Fantasy IX anime as well being worked on. There's a new Star Ocean game coming out this year. Uh, there's um, six Dragon Quest games in development at the moment. Like, um, And then what else? Yeah, like there's... Like, <laughs> I can't... There's probably there's a Full Metal Alchemist mobile game coming out, I mm. think, as well. Um, 
there's like just there's there there must be working on at least like 40 plus games right now yeah and i'd still how many of those games were coming out this year um but what's 14 is continuous 11 is continuous stranger of the paradise chocobo gp six remaster um ever crisis uh for spoken babylon's fall triangle strategy brilliant lights uh so that's that's like 10 games uh star ocean 11 games um dragon quest 10 offline 12 it's just so many so many so many like and i don't know i don't know how like out, out of all of those games, how many of them would... I know that it's not the be-all and end-all, but how many of them will receive a Metacritic for above 85? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just it just seems as though Square Enix is just so burnt out. And I think it's really hard. It's really stressful because obviously you have bills to pay and you have people to... Like, people's lives at stake. But it's just like... It's better to just try to get yourself back into the quality zone rather than constantly just running on the same thing and then just running it out until it dies like i just i just think like you know screen reduce the volume increase the quality yeah exactly and it's not easy but i just think that they've just completely lost what their brand is and their brand is now whatever we think is going to make us money exactly which is going to kill you essentially it's going to destroy you anyway um i think we have uh exhausted i know i'm so sorry for getting on our and, and the topic and i think it does kind of lead us into um a small announcement that we we need to make um essentially we've spoken a bit about it before um how like you know obviously once we get down and we start recording and stuff like laura and i can have lengthy discussions about <laughs> things sometimes positive sometimes negative generally so there's things we want to talk about um we try to keep it positive but you know depending on what's going on um and you know we've been very diligent about that like we've been very consistent even with the the kids being born we did not delay or miss a podcast but you know i think over the last year especially it's been something that we've we found it fun, but it's just not something that has necessarily excited us mm. anymore in the same way that, that it used to. And it's also just a really small part of what we do now. Like the podcast used to be, if you if you go back like five or six years, the podcast was the biggest thing that we did. It was, you know, our, our main platform, whereas now it, it's just not anymore. And, and it doesn't have the same... Uh, draw like most of the people that know of our brand Final Fantasy Union don't even know we do a podcast and I know the part of that is because we don't push it out there we don't let people know that it existed but I think that in itself is is telling mm-hmm. the fact that we don't promote the podcast much um, and I think it's just because I don't know if we're necessarily proud or confident about the about the show in the same way that we used to be um i know a lot of the time especially over the last year we've been really burnt out with it and Mm. there have also been uh, limit especially with the lockdown happening there have just been so many limited opportunities for us to record we've had to record in the very specific windows 
if we miss those windows, it's become incredibly stressful mm-hmm. to figure out. I mean, sometimes it was a case of me recording a podcast Tuesday morning to get it out in the evening. And and like then other things have to go by the wayside. And it's just, it's just, I don't want to say it's become an inconvenience, but it's just, yeah, it's not something that has excites us and, and in the same way that it, that it used to. So we have made the decision to basically put the podcast on hiatus for a period we don't know how long that's going to be um i think we just need to take a break and and see how we feel Mm -hmm. um whether or not the podcast comes back in the same way or whether or not it comes back at all we we don't know at the moment um but we just want to we just wanted to let you all know and uh to thank you all for your many many <laughs> many many years of of support and and listening to the show mm. yeah i mean if we've been going for 10 plus it's like 13 14 15, years yeah. yeah yeah it's like um it is really like sort of a hiatus of an era i guess <laughs> cuz i don't want to say like it's the end end cuz we might come back with it but it's just um yeah, it's just where it's just what happens, right? Like it just you do something until it doesn't necessarily fit in with the state of your life anymore. And like I've changed completely since we first started. I mean, I went from not having a job. I went from living in America to living you're still, in the you're UK. Still in university, right? Like I was in the yeah, I was in uni. Uh, when we started and now you know i've done a lot i have my own we have our youtube channel i have my own podcast we have kids like we've really just grown up so much through this and it's miraculous that we have managed to keep it going for so long yeah so um i'm not really too sure how to to round this out now um but it's not it's not a disappearing from us we're obviously still going to be doing the youtube channel mm. the the book is obviously a very exciting project for us lauren uh, has got she plays games which is is going to be going from strength to strength this year i'm sure and uh so yeah just as the discord server as well um the newsletter the, there's there's so many other things that we we've, we've got on the on in the fires now so um yeah just uh don't be a stranger stick stick around chat with us wherever you can if you want to and um yeah we'll say we'll say goodbye for now bye everyone it's been an amazing journey Mm -hmm. and um yeah we'll see where things take us